our passage this morning is from Galatians chapter 6, it's verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, again, we do stand in you. Just to see the plan of redemption being played out. Father, thank you for sending your Son so that he might pay the price for our sin. Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God who drew us, who made us alive so that we could understand that it was only by faith that we could receive the gift of salvation. Father, we thank you that as we were brought into salvation, we were also brought into the family of God. Father, we thank you that we are now members of Christ's body. Thank you that we are not islands to ourselves, that we walk this path of righteousness together, that as one falls, we pick them up. As one is burdened, we help. Lord, again, remind us of these truths. These are so critical for us as a body of believers. Lord, I also pray that if there's anyone here that has never received you, They may have come to this church for years, but has never put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that today might be their day of salvation. Lord, again, we thank you that you came to this earth and died for us. We thank you that we are on the path of righteousness and we know that what you've started, you will complete. And just give give us a better glimpse of what our responsibilities are in this body of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Junior Church, uh, I think, is dismissed. By the way, uh, if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 6, that's where we're going to be. If you're looking for your bulletin and looking for the outline, you do not have an outline today. Uh, I had some viruses in my one computer, and that took up extra time. It's not an excuse, but it is. Um, But anyways... Unfortunately, I don't have one, and we'll be in this passage one more time. I say that, unfortunately, you don't have an outline, because this is one of the most important passages of all the New Testament on body life, on what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Again, I think we've been, what is it, four or five weeks since we've been in Galatians? Got a lot of different things going on. Next week, I'm going to be gone again. All right, I'm going to say that again. Next week, I'm going to be gone again. Ah. Uh, tear in the eye, no smiles. Actually, we have a uh, uh, chaplain from AIA. Is going is he here? The chaplain? I didn't see him. Anyways, he's going to be here next week preaching. So, Galatians chapter 6. Now, again, as, as you remember about Galatians, just in a quick review, you remember it's six chapters. You can divide it up equal parts. You can. The first part in Galatians was a, a personal part of Paul. He was defending his apostleship. He's basically saying, though I was not one of the original twelves, I have authority from God. In fact, so much so that I was able even, even to confront the apostle Peter. So it's a personal admonition of the fact that he is an apostle, that what he says is from God. And then in chapters 3 and 4, it's talking about justification by faith. Remember what the problem in Galatian was? You had these people, Judaizers, saying to the Christians, listen, if you're really going to walk with God, in fact, if you're even going to be a Christian, if you're really going to be a good Christian, you've got to follow the Mosaic Law, the Old Testament Law. And so Paul gives the exhortation in Galatians chapters 3 and 4 on the fact that you are justified by faith alone. There's no works involved. It's Christ and Christ alone. The gospel is not that you receive Christ plus do something. So justification by faith alone. You are declared righteous when a person comes to Jesus Christ, recognizes that they are a sinner, that he paid the penalty on the cross for their sin, and they receive him, and and his, his forgiveness is applied to their life. His righteousness is applied to their life. And that's what he dealt with in chapters 3 and 4. And then in chapters 5 and 6... He then talks about the practical side of Christianity. By the way, it makes sense that he would do this, because if you just told the person you're justified by faith, oh, you mean I don't need the law? 
Well, okay, if I don't need the law, then you mean I can live any way I want and still be saved? Well, look at Galatians 5. He, look at verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's legalism. But look at verse 13. He also says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity of the flesh, i.e. license. In other words, he's, he's resolving the problem of either saying, well, I need to be under the law as a Christian. No, you don't. Christ is all. Or, well, I can do anything I please. No, no, you can't. You've got to walk in the law of love. And so then he gets into, well, but, you know, because this would be the question that a person would have, well, but, but how can I do that? I mean, you're telling me I don't need the law, therefore the standard's not there. Well, how, I mean, we still obey the moral law, but you don't need the law for salvation. Well, what do I need? And he brings up verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. You know what we need? We need to walk in the Spirit. In fact, he keeps hitting the same thing. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at verse 18. You need to be led by the Spirit. Look at verse 25. We live in the Spirit, therefore let us walk in the Spirit. And that's a different walk. That's a different word. It means keep in step with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in your riches so He, so he leads you. By the way, this is so very, very critical. It's not just about getting saved. Galatians is also saying if you're going to live a victorious life, you need to walk with God. You need to be filled by His Spirit. And so really, from verses 16 on, he's talking about spirituality. How is a person spiritual? What does it mean to be spiritual? Christian spirituality is based on a relationship with a personal God. That's what it means to be spiritual. In fact, again, one man said this, Contrary to what many Christians seem to think, spiritual life is not something that we produce within us through some ritual or method, i.e. this. You don't become more spiritual because you have devotions. Now think about that. You, you, are, you are spiritual because you were walking with God. Do you see the difference there? Sometimes we can get very legalistic. Well, I have to have this check-off list, and I have to pray so often and read, and, you know, and all these different things I have to do. Again, those are important to nurture spiritual life. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm getting at is this. If, you're, if, you are walk, if, you, if you are spiritual, that means that the Spirit of God is in you. That frees you up. By the way, it shouldn't make you more sloppy in your Christian life. It relieves the burden out of your Christian life. <coughs> spiritual life flows from the Holy Spirit. And the, and the life of the Spirit can be nurtured again by those different things, but what he wants to do is produce in us the fruit, which is found in verses 22 and 23. He wants to produce love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But we catch this. He doesn't produce those fruit for ourselves. See, this is where we sometimes go wrong. He's actually producing those fruits so that you will be a better member of the body of Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? He produces love in your life so that you can minister more effectively. Joy in your life so you can minister more effectively. Go right down the list. In fact, some of them are so direct. Long-suffering to whom? Kindness to whom? Goodness to whom? To the others. So he's not trying to just get you to be happy, as it were, and joyful and blessed in the Lord. He's producing these fruit in you, not for private enjoyment, not to be for the individual self-fulfillment, but that you become a, a, a more productive uh, part of the body of Christ. Everything that the Spirit of God does is, is corporate. We got, see, we are Americans, and, but much of Americanism actually goes against the Bible. Americanism says the individual is number one, right? That's not how the Bible presents it. You got saved. You know what? The moment you got saved, you were placed in the body of Christ. You became corporate. All of a sudden, it wasn't just about my needs. It was about our needs. Not about what I want. It's about what we need. Okay? Corporate. And sometimes as Americans, we, we almost, and I, I fear for this, because sometimes we, our Americanism has become our Christianity. That, that's wrong. No, God has placed you in a community, a community of faith. It, meant, it is meant to be shared. 
In other words, it's like uh, it, it's less like a fruit tree hidden away somewhere in a secret garden, and more like one that grows in a public park. Everyone should be able to enjoy it. The fruit that He seeks to produce in you, everyone should be able to enjoy. Because as you become more loving and peaceful and joyful and kind and gentle, that should that should be a, a, a an effect on everyone else. No, we're corporate, not individual. And, and what he does is he takes all these concepts, and again, look at He just keeps talking about the Spirit and the Spirit's fruit and the fact that we live in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit. In fact, and then he says, look at verse 26, let us not become conceited. That's self-centered, me, provoking one another, envying one another, me, 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 self-centered, outside of the community thought. And then he moves into chapter 6. And it really didn't even hit me until just recently how much, what he's doing is he's giving us a test on true spirituality. He's saying, listen, if you're really spiritual, this is what a spiritual Christian looks like. I've just told you that he's, he's filled with the gift of love and joy, peace, long-suffering, all the, the fruit there, the fruit of the Spirit. But now he says, but this, let me show you how it plays out in the community, the community of believers. And so he says, well, the first aspect uh, a, a believer that is truly spiritual, what, what does he do? Verse 1, he picks up the fallen. See, I can say, well, I'm spiritual. I'm walking with God. Uh, Lord's number one in my life. But if you start looking at my life and you never see me picking up the fallen, you'd start saying, well, wait a second. Uh, God's program is his people, and that's the body of Christ, but you don't seem to care about the body of Christ. How can you say you're spiritual walking with him? So really, verse 1 is like, as it were, a, a test He's saying this, a believer that is spiritual picks up the fallen. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Let's just break this down quickly. We, we went over this a month ago. But the first part is the condition of the overtaken. The condition, he's, he's overtaken in a trespass. By the way, that word overtaken means like the sin pursued him. It wasn't like it was all premeditated and he planned up at this spot. It's just that the sin pursued him. When you're overtaken, have you ever been caught by the police speeding? They overtake you. You don't overtake them. Okay? You're going down, not realizing all of a sudden, you know, in your heart, or you're just running down the road. You ever do, you know, and all of a sudden you see that car with the radar and all, and you're like, what do you, what's your first response? Oh, good, 65. I'm at, I'm at the speed limit. Um, but again, this person, the sin overtook him. I'm not saying he didn't sin, he did sin. But the idea is that it's, that he was overtaken. In other words, he was surprised perhaps by the power of this sin, by this fault. See, people get involved in sins not expecting the results, not realizing how, how, um, how uh, chained they are to those. You see that with a lot of different sins. By the way, the sin he's referring to, the, the sin that these people were being overtaken was by the Judaizers' legalism. Remember that. The context is legalism. These were Christians who were wondering about going back to the Mosaic Law. And Paul's saying, listen, you who are spiritual really understand the Christian life. Walking with God, make sure you, you, you bring them back. But you know, even in our church, even in this day and age, don't you have legalists? I, I, there are people, and you might be one, who are, are, are saved, but thinking, but now it, it's all these rules and regulations, and if I dot every I and cross every T, and I really have my self-control and my disciplines in order, I will be what God wants me to be. And you know what? Someone needs to rescue you and say, you know what? You'll be everything you need to be when you recognize that everything is found in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. I'm not saying not to do the spiritual disciplines. All I'm saying is that doesn't make you spiritual. The Spirit of God makes you spiritual. It frees you. Some of us are legalists. Or maybe the other side. License. Well, I'm free. I can do it. And I can live a sloppy life. It, God doesn't mind because he's already forgiven me. Don't let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh. See, there's still a lot of rescuing to do even in that area. But again, he was overtaken in a trespass. By the way, one thing that I think we need to remember is we're all sinners saved by grace, right? As we approach this whole passage about burden bearing and stuff, let's remember we're all in this camp. At times, I need to be rescued. At times, I need my burden to be lifted. We can't get overconfident. I came across an interesting story. It was a study done about a, about a decade ago about those who parachute. 
Par- par- yeah, parachute. No, uh, what are those called? <laughs> What's that? No, what, uh, when they jump out the airplane. Skydivers, Sky help me out here, please. Don't let me just drown here. No. <laughs> I know, I didn't give you enough information, sounds like. Um, but they came up with a fatality summary. This is what was so interesting about this. When a person was skydiving, uh, they, they broke them down in categories. Like if you were just starting out, you were called a student. If you did more than 20 jumps, you got your A license. More than 50 jumps, B license. More than 100 jumps, C license. If you were over 200 jumps, D license. All right, remember D. After 100, 200 jumps, D license. In, in uh, 1993, for the fatality summary, this is what they found. 59% of all those who, who uh, jumped, uh, excuse me, 59% of all those who died in the jump were those in the last category, 200 jumps or more. It wasn't the young guys. It wasn't the ones that were starting out. It was the elite. They were the ones that were dying. Two, to th- two out of three that died, it was in that category. And what they came to the conclusion, it, it was those people that got overconfident overconfident. They didn't check everything out twice and three times. You know, they had done it 200 times early, uh, uh, before. And you know, when it comes to this idea of brethren, if, you are, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, don't look at that person as a novice in the Christian life. Don't look at that person. That might be the leader. That might be the deacon. That might be the elder. That might be the pastor. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying that might. Let's put us all in this category. But look at the requirement. He says, brethren, you who are spiritual, that's the person that needs to go to that person that's overtaken in a fall. Again, brethren, that means he's part of the family of God. What do you mean? That means that that person has received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. But not only that, you who are spiritual, means that you are walking by the Spirit of God. He doesn't say you who are mature. He says you who are spiritual. Again, maturity is just the, the accumulation of the times that you are spiritual. You're walking with the, the Lord over many, many years, and the spiritual times time equals maturity. The reality here is a person that is less mature may have to go to a person more mature and, and help them get out of the, the uh, trespass that they're in. So really, it's just saying, listen, if you're a Christian and if you're walking with God's Spirit, you qualify for being a restorer. That's all I'm trying to say. In fact, sometimes it's been even my own children, and they didn't even know they were restoring me, but they would say something that really convicted my heart. God used that. They were being used by God. Look at the goal. The goal, restore such a one. That's the word restore means to set a bone. It was, used, it was a medical term, to set the bone. Like, you know, if it's broken, set it. It was used of nets to mend a net so that it was usable. The idea is get it back to usefulness. This person who is overtaken is no longer useful to the body of Christ, no longer useful to the kingdom of God. Let's bring this person back to usefulness. Like the old thought is... the the the. the the church, the Christianity is the only army where we shoot our wounded. Sometimes we shoot our wounded. He says, let's not shoot the wounded. Let's bring them back to usefulness. We're all going to be at that point where we need to be brought back to usefulness at a point. Where we're dependent on the Spirit of God. By the way, you know, one of the tactics of Satan is right here. To get the person uh, out of joint... Get the person where they're not useful. I mean, what is the, the tactic of Satan, really? It's to isolate you and to separate you from the body of Christ. That's really what the Satan wants to do. He wants to isolate and separate so that he can then, and then you're by yourself, you're an island, when you're supposed to be part of the body. So we need to bring them back. Now, again, we don't want to ignore it. We do, sometimes we do ignore, or sometimes we'll diagnose the problem. Boy, do you know what so-and-so is doing? Boy, they're really having a problem. Boy, they really seem to be, you know, really struggling. Boy, and, and we tell, but maybe we don't actually go ourselves. 
Right? In other words, we may diagnose the problem properly, but never actually get involved in the person's life. Well, it gets messy. What if they, you know, don't agree? What if they get upset with me? No, no. Uh, Paul is saying, listen, we need to search and rescue. You know, a neat incident is right over here. Since you're in Galatians, go to chapter 2, verse 11. Remember Peter and Paul? It says, now when Peter had... Chapter 2, verse 11. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. This is Paul, the apostle, confronting Peter, the apostle, and stood to his face because he was to blame, or as one version says, to get condemned. For before certain men came from James, in other words, there were certain of these Judaizers came from the apostle James from Jerusalem, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withstood and separated himself. What was happening was this. He was eating with the Gentiles until these Judaizers came, and all of a sudden he started backing away. And what that was is showing the gospel. I mean, it was showing a false gospel. Because somehow it was looking like, oh, when you, when you receive Christ, you shouldn't be eating with those, those bad Gentiles. Because they were unclean, according to Mosaic law. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be like that. So the point is, is here, what Peter was doing was actually... Um, was actually corrupting the gospel. That's why Paul confronted him. I mean, it sounds like he did it very sternly. That's the example of Galatians chapter 6 1. When you talk about, what do you mean, uh, you know, confront somebody who has been overtaken in a fault? I mean, you can go right back to Galatians chapter 2. That's in. Again, what do you see in Galatians 2? Truth is more importantly than, more important than outward harmony and peace with the brethren. Truth is more important. Always remember that truth is more important than the person. We have a hard time with that too in America. No, it's, it's really about community. It's about the truth. Now, again, if you go, you can go gently. But the idea is you go. You don't sacrifice the truth because of the relationship. Let's get in the last part. D, the heart of the restorer. Now we need to see the heart. The last part of chapter 6, verse 1. Look, at he, named, he says two things. First of all, as we go, we go gently with gentleness. By the way, that same word gentleness is found in the fruit of the Spirit, chapter 5, verse 23. So again, what is he saying? He's, re, he's like... Um, He's putting a ditto on this idea. You have to be walking in the Spirit. The Spirit's fruit has to be in your life. So we go gently. The word is meekness. Now again, not weakness. Gentleness is power under control. If you have power under control, you go gently. It also implies that you go with courage. You go with a purpose. You don't back down. See, when we say gently, I don't mean like this. Well, you know, I, I see that you're, you know, doing this sin, but, you know, I don't really want, I don't really want to do this, but, you know, I, I guess that the Lord wants me to tell you by the way that what you're doing is sinful. Um, now, again, you can go gently in the sense of, you know what, what you're doing is really an offense to God. It is hurting the body of Christ, but you do it confidently. You can do it courageously. You can do it in a nice way. I mean, you should be. That's, but the idea is you go directly. So, so we go gently. Go like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what Timothy, Timothy says. But look at the next part. It says not only gently, but we go humbly, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Does anyone like to truly confront? I hope not. But the idea is that you're doing it because, of the, because, of, because Christ's name is at stake. The gospel is at stake. The, the purity of the church is at stake. So we go humbly. And again, the sins there, I mean, what we're dealing with there is the Judaizer, but the sin could be a no, numerous, you know. It could be a person that is constantly gossiping and there are constantly, you know, problems in the church. Or it could be a person who is immoral, it could be a person whose marriage, is you can tell, is just about ready to blow. I mean, you can see it coming. And you should have gone two months ago. It could be a person that's so angry and all of a sudden they're gone. It could be a person that, you know, you start sensing that they're, they're doing a lot of comparing. And every time they compare, they get frustrated. A person that's just totally depressed. 
but it's but it might be even because of sin and you happen to think maybe it is maybe that's why all of a sudden their whole personality is changing it may not be physical it might be something there but I, but you haven't gone to them see that's why this is you go gently you go humbly considering yourself that word consider means to fix your attention on Give heed to, keep watch for, keep, keep watch for yourself. When you go to confront, watch yourself. Why? Because when you go to someone like that, especially if it's a, a blatant sin, even a spiritual person could be tempted with pride. Could maybe start be thinking, well, I must be a little bit better than so-and-so. You see what I'm saying? You may be opening yourself up to a sin. So he says, listen, I want you to go humbly. Don't go self-righteously. That's why Matthew 7 says this, verse 5, First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck, the little thing, from your brother's eye. Remove the plank from your own eye, then you can remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's self-examination. That means before anybody goes to confront and help another brother out or sister out, we have to say, you know, Lord, help me to see my own. I'm frail. I'm weak. But for the grace of God, there go I. Lord, but I want to help because I want, they're hurting the body of Christ. They're hurting themselves. They're hurting your name. Not self-righteously. Not with the attitude of, boy, I can't wait till the next confrontation. I've known people like that, actually. They're always in confrontation. It's almost like they enjoy it. Now, we don't want to judge others that way. I came across a pretty interesting illustration about a kitchen rag, dish rag. There was a study done a few years ago, and the idea was this. Maybe, maybe even the cleanest kitchens aren't really that clean. That's because the most germ-laden object in the entire kitchen is often either the sponge or the dish rag. What they did is they went to 500 homes and collected their dish rags. And what they found was this. They found as many as one out of five contained salmonella bacteria. And just in your kitchen, just laying there. I mean, think about this. You take it, wash it, and then you start wiping the kitchen table. And, and then they found this. Two-thirds had at least some bacteria that, if ingested, would make the person ill. The point was this. Some attempts to cleanse can cause more harm than good. So it is when a, when a pharisaical attitude, a self-righteous condemning attitude, a judgmental attitude is used in trying to help a person, it might even become worse. In other words, they said it this, that that type of attitude is like salmonella to the soul. I just find that interesting. You know, some of us have rags, and maybe they're there for two, three, four, five, maybe a week, and maybe it's in the hot, you know, think about the summer, and it's now 85, 90 degrees, and, and you just had fish a couple days ago, and now you're wiping your kitchen, and I'm trying to get this all clean, and maybe you're making it worse. Well, hopefully you'll clean your kitchen at least. But the point is that this, sometimes we can make it worse. You know, we go to try it, and then all of a sudden they say something, and I'm a little angry now. Or I go with it, <laughs> I'm so glad I got to go. <laughs> and you might make it worse. So that's the heart of the restorer. We need to go with, as it were, a sympathetic spirit. Tender. I like what Martin Luther said about this. And again, you think of Martin Luther. If you ever think of Martin Luther, you think of the stern reformer. But actually, he had a very tender heart. And he said this to a pastor that was going to go and set the bone, as it were. He said this. To the, go, this is how the pastor was instructed to go to this offender. He said, run to him. And reaching out your hand, raise him up again. Comfort him with sweet words. And embrace him with motherly arms. I like that. You go very tenderly because remember, this person is part of the body of Christ. He just needs to be rescued. And if we don't do it that way, if you go harsh and judgmental, and I can't believe you even fell in the pit in the first place, well, what's your problem? You've been a Christian for 25 years. I remember when you used to teach Sunday school class. Well, yeah, you're just, yeah, let's get some more salmonella out there. Let's get some more bacteria going. So again, gentle kindness. In some ways, restoring a sinner is like setting a bone. The process is bound to be painful no matter who does it. 
but the more skillful the bone is set, the sooner the healing can begin. Now again, if a person doesn't listen, you can always go to Matthew 18. We won't go there today, but it says you bring another and even get the church involved. I mean, there's a process here, but basically what I'm saying is this. How do we approach? How do we approach them? That's the test of a truly spiritual person. They pick the person up. Let's look at the last test for today. A believer that is spiritual helps bear the burdens of others. They're burden bearers. A truly spiritual person is a burden bearer. That's verse 2. In other words, they carry the word burden uh, bear one another's burden. The burden there is you, you carry it. And the idea is this, with endurance. But you do it joyfully. You, you do it with an emph- uh, um, empathetic spirit. In other words, your concern is not, oh man, another person i got to spend time with. Again, you see it as, as your responsibility. I guess that's the real point of this whole message. Do you look around and see it as part of your responsibility, the health of this church, the health of this body? Or do you just come and go and you figure, well, the elders, deacons, everyone else will take care of things. Really, this passage, because he says, you who are spiritual, he's saying, listen, we're all involved. If you're a part of the body of Christ, we're all involved. A few weeks ago, I, I broke this passage down for you a little bit, and I told you I'd be back to it. But the word bear in verse 2, bear uh, one another's burden, you might, might want to underline that. The word burden there is totally different than verse 5, where it says each one shall bear his own load. Right? There's a burden in verse 2, there's a load in verse 5. It sounds almost like a contradictory thought. What do you mean I'm supposed to bear one another's burden? Now you're telling me, Paul, verse 5, I bear my own load. What do you mean? I mean, do I bear it or don't I? And as I've told you, mentioned back then. The word load in verse 5 is like a backpack. By the way, I, I went back to this passage again because to me, th- like I said, this is one of the most important passages in the New Testament about body life. I mean, if we do this properly, I, I think we have a, the Lord has produced a great church here, but it would be so much even greater if we all bought into this. I know many of you do. Many, many, many of you do. But we all need to buy into this. The fact that with body life, that we all work together. But the, the idea of verse 5 is it's like a backpack. It's, it's doable. It's, you can carry it. I can carry this. In fact, I'm going to have uh, Brian, if you come up here for a second. Because I've got to have him load my backpack. See, verse 5 says I need to carry my own backpack. And, and it's not always easy. And I've got these weights here. I mean, I've got my own problems. Right? You know that I have problems. Yeah. Yeah, don't laugh too hard, uh, Benny. Um, I'm thinking of some of the things that I have. Uh, finances. Uh, de- do you know that dental bills can be very expensive? Yeah, I've noticed that this year. Um, yeah, that. can you put that in the back, please? Okay. Uh, family. Family can be difficult. Not my wife. Other issues. No, you know, what, you know what's hard about family? <laughs> By the way, as you were, I was telling you, you went to a fa- uh, marriage seminar. That was excellent. And some of you asked me, when are you going to run this uh, weekend uh, at the church, it's going to be the 18th and 19th of August. So you might want to write that down. There, I got my announcement in. Okay, but the point is, family, you know what's really hard right now about, you know what's the hardest thing in my life right now? This is harder than raising the kids, is releasing them. I have teenagers, and I'm so, at times, distraught. My wife keeps assuring me, Lord's in control. But the point is, teenagers, that's hard. They're not bad teenagers. In fact, some of them are beyond. But, you know, all the responsibilities of growing up. And then, so I'm getting a little bit, you know, and then temptations. I have my own temptations and trials. Sometimes the trials and struggles are with people. Sometimes it's just my own lust in my heart. So that's another. I, I, I can bear that right now. It's not overwhelming. Sometimes, by the way, your temptations can't be bored by yourself. You're, you're, you're uh, hooked. And then, uh, again, work and church at times. Church can be a struggle at times, right? Lee, isn't, it's not always a pretty picture. It's hard dealing with people or whatever. I have to deal with Lee. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Boy, that's getting heavy. You can be sitting, seated. Uh, you can, yeah, and then there's these, mis- I didn't even mark this one, but this is a rock, and it just represents those, all those other stresses. Like this week, I got like seven viruses in my computer. It was really irritating. No, no more, please. Some people. <laughs> I got to bear my own load. 
By the way, we all bear our own load. That's what verse 5 says. As Christians, you bear your own load. Um, by the way, every person I'm going to come up, have come up at this in a few minutes also are bearing their own load. We have to know that we have to bear our own load. See, we have to be careful how we are looking at other people because sometimes we look at them and say, well, can't they see I'm in need? Well, we all have our load to bear, all right? Now, there are a lot of different burdens. They're spiritual and physical and emotional and re- relational. By the way, I want to say this. The bear one another's burdens is different than verse 1. Verse 1 is a sin, a trespass. Here, it's included in verse 2, but it's not ex- just exclusively verse one. In other words, these bear one another's burdens. It might be a relational problem, nothing to do with sin, just having to deal with it. It might be a financial problem, nothing to do with sin, just dealing with it. These are some burdens that you bear, bear sorrow, worry, doubt, failure, failure. A lot of men fear failure. Poverty, not making it, you know, ends meet. Loneliness, illness, maybe divorce, disability, depression, abuses looming death of yourself or someone else. All these burdens. They're not sinful. They're just burdens. They're weights. But God actually says you need to bear your own. Sometimes, by the way, you find people who never want to bear their own. They're always telling everybody else. It's okay to say it, but wait, we still are told to bear your own burden. But then the big one comes along. By the way, let me just say this. It is so great that Jesus Christ bore our greatest burden. Our greatest need was salvation. I needed to be forgiven. He went to the cross. That burden was borne by him and only him. And when I received him, that is almost like, remember the pilgrim's burden and it fell off when he saw the cross, the open tomb. But we're called to bear. Now, we're also called cast your care upon him. He cares for you. So I'm praying for these things. I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my situations and trials of life. I'm learning the scriptures and what I need to do for the things that tempt me. But then sometimes bigger things come along. They hit you off, you know, and and, and that's where we need body life. As one man said, every believer is called to be one of God's bellhops, always ready to pick up someone else's baggage. Because sometimes this gets too heavy. And this is where this this one, I I brought up a bunch of rocks. We don't want to have time for that. But I have this one, and this is heavy. I mean, I can't see it, but I'm not going to pick it up. I can't pick it up. I can... I end up rolling, I mean, scooshing it up a hill. Then I got a couple of the baseball players, and they carried it in for me. I mean, it's, whoa, I shouldn't have done that. Um, But the bottom line is, and for me, I'll give you an example. This is an area where the fire, I think it happened in January 2003, when we had that fire. And I, by the way, I already had a pretty full backpack back then. Every other thing that I had in homeschooling and everything else, and my wife, and I mean, my wife helping me homeschooling. And, <laughs> no, I mean, we all, we, both of us, both of us were, you know, but then we had this fire, and all of a sudden, my life changed for a while. But there were some people that stepped in, and, and I hate to even say four, because I know many of you stepped in and painted and cleaned and helped us out. But there was a four that I, I, I specifically helped me tremendously at that very moment. One was Dan. I'm going to have you just come up. Dan Warner. See, this is my burden. I want to represent. And, and for me to move this, I tried moving this, and I could. I, I almost hurt my back doing it. I thought, this is the stone. Um, and, you know, I look back on the fire, and I thought, you know, it was hard, but it was not overwhelming in the least. But then I started realizing, well, I know why it wasn't overwhelming because look at the people that helped me and the first one was dan now again that's part of what dan does is helps people in these trials but he came not as a uh, he came as a friend so dan was there and then and by the way i'm not trying to point you out to embarrass i'm saying thank you that someone in the body of christ stepped up they said it and the other the next person they called was bob and barb they were going to florida because it was january they said listen if you want to use our house go ahead so bob he came. Where's Bob? Bob left. No, Bob's there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you think about a smoke-filled house, seven kids, you know, two adults, and I need to move this thing. And then there was Leo. He called brother-in-law. He said, listen, John, I can come up for a week and, and frame out your house if you want. And I'm going to have, who did I say was going to do that? Who, who did I ask? Oh, Brent, you're the one. You're my Leo. You're my Leo. Leo called. And then Cindy Frazier organized it. 
uh, cleaning and reconstruction. You put anything in Cindy's hands, it's done. You know what I mean? So she was like, you know, her mind was going, where's Cindy at? But Cindy said, I will not come up there. So I'm going to have Jason come up for Cindy. Now, the point is, is this. And, and again, I, I know I'm getting these guys up here because I want you to see something. I want you to see that with me, I would break my back. I probably could do it if I absolutely had to. But now I want everyone to come up here, and I'm going to bring it and put it right in the middle of that thing. I can't. It's pretty heavy. But you get four or five guys doing it. And Jason picked it up by himself. No. <laughs> yeah, shows, shows you where I'm at. Now, let's just go down in the middle of the thing. Oh I'm going to keep my hand. Yeah, no, nobody get hurt. But this house, this fire was a major, major. And let's just put it right here. And then someone will trip over it after the service. But bottom line is you can see it. And now let's just put it right over here. And then let's put it down. And guys, I really I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. You can be seated. Now... Remember, they all had their own backpacks on. That's real important to remember. But they went out of their way to help someone that was really overwhelmed. Now, as time passed, Dan got me going, kept stopping in periodically. Bob would call. Cindy would show up. Leo was there, as far as you know, the first week when we actually started. But then the, the burden became, and actually, if you really want to know, after a while, the burden became like this. It no longer was that. It started through time. Things started to work. If you want to just throw one more burden on my back, my friend. And now I was able to carry it. After about four months, five months there, now, and it became heavy, but it wasn't undoable. Unbearable, rather. I want to draw just a couple conclusions, and we're almost done. It is getting heavy. But I'm going to do it to the end. Do you notice only four people were there? Now, again, actually representing our church was probably more like 2025. 20, but I picked out the four that really was the organizer of many things. But you know what? When it comes to our needs, many times that's what it is. Four, five, six people show up. They themselves have their own burdens. Notice that the rescuers were not just the elders. Bob was the only other elder that I pointed out to you. I'm not saying that at that other time other elders didn't show. But my, for my illustration point purposes, notice that it was the body, not just the elders. By the way, I needed to let someone help. I needed to even ask for it at times. Um, when they offered, I didn't say, well, no, I can handle it on my own. Sometimes we do that with burdens. Oh, no, I'm okay. Well, maybe you're not okay. No, I do need your help. Some of them offered, like I said, some of them, I went, some, but I had to be transparent. Again, this was a really big burden. If it was something that I could carry on my own, my responsibility is carried on your own. But sometimes we go beyond that. Sometimes it's something that you're dealing with, and I just can't get over it. I've been, I've been sinning in this sin for the last 25 years. I need help. You've got to be transparent. See, this is what I've seen in church at times. A person comes to Alfred Allman. They get excited about the music, the teaching, the fellowship. They become a member. Perhaps they serve, but they don't get connected with other people and meeting their needs. Or they misunderstand bearing one another's burdens completely, thinking that everyone should rally around every need. See, sometimes we have that. A need happens and everyone feels guilty. Well, I should be there. Well, no, maybe you shouldn't be there because it was only four that I asked to carry this. In reality, it was about 20-some people in this church. That I probably, wouldn't you say that's about right? Whatever, 25. That's fine. We don't all have to feel guilty if, if Dale shows up and I don't. Okay? I'm going to take this off. <laughs> See, we don't all have to rally. As time goes on, now let me go back to this type of person. As time goes on, the person gets disillusioned that the church did not reach out with, with one of their needs. Now, five close people reached out in the church, but that wasn't enough. Comments such as this go through their mind. Well, they say they care, but I don't see it. Or they preach a good message, but he or she isn't doing it. I've had that actually said to me, so I know it's... And so not everyone rallied, and because of that, somehow we... And they get frustrated. They get frustrated with the church. And two or three years later, they leave the church. It's predictable. If you don't get connected, if, you don't, if we don't get real, you had a burden? Rally. No one's meaning it? Speak. No one still is rallying? Speak again. Let's work as a body. 
Think about this. If I, if I bust my toe, I'm not trying to get my chest down to there to minister to it. I use my hand. Maybe this hand, and maybe I depend on this other foot a little bit more until it's healed. So some of the members rally to it. Not all the members, some of the members. We need to be like that. We need to understand that we work together. That's why 1 Corinthians says this, God composed the body that there should be no chism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. We care, but you meet a need, I meet a need, someone else meets a need, and four or five or ten or twenty come and rally, but it's not the whole. And don't feel bad if you couldn't be... And by the way, this should not create slothfulness in you. This should just say, you know what? Let's function as a body. And you may have your particular giftedness and you see the need and God says, go. And how many times has that happened to me? And I did not make the call and I found out on Sunday I should have made the call last Friday because something was happening. Or how many times did I make the call, went to the person and found out it was that day they were dealing with something? No, we have to walk with God's Spirit. How many of you like Facebook? No, not many. Now, I don't do much Facebooking. But anyways, but this, this appeared on my Facebook from Jeannie Smith. I love Jeannie Smith. Remember Jeannie and Sam? He's, he died a few years ago, but this is what it said. Quote, was just looking at some old pictures, and there you were with many others from Alfred Allman Bible Church helping my love, i.e. Sam, and me, uh, and I pack for Georgia. This is what she said. What a blessing you were at just the right time and the right place. I've had very little contact with Jeannie, just a couple emails, maybe talked to her once or twice since then, a number of years ago. But the point is, I just like that. At just the right time, at just the right moment, right place. Look at what Paul says. If you do this, bear one another burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You're fulfilling the law of Christ. Now, that that again could be a surprise. What do you mean? I thought the law was by... No, no. The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is love. Remember what Jesus said? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Love. You love others. You fulfill his law. You fulfill what God expects you to do. Love, not the law, restrains and motivates us as believers. Not the law. The love, that's what, that's what motivates us. We look around and we say, oh, we're part of the body of Christ. And when you hurt, I hurt. In fact, Corinthians says that. When one member suffer, we all suffer. One member rejoice, we all rejoice. It doesn't say we all run to the person. It says we're all in this together. And sometimes you send a few people out, and, that's, and, that, and as long as the need is met, that's all that matters. And then they come back and get back in their place and get ready for the next need. And so as believers, we're, we have our antennas up. As Ephesians says, the pastors and teachers, we equip what? We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4 says this, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, every, every part of the body working together, every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part, catch this, does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part does its part. And some of you, your part is you reach out and maybe there's a confrontation that needs to happen. For some of you, your major part you play in this body is you pray. Some of you have told me, I pray for you every day, every day. Others, you are great at writing. And I have a whole file of notes that I have received over the years from certain people, and I keep them. I keep them. You know, for other of you, it's your friendship. And again, when I needed some of my close, and some people I really didn't know that well, I'm saying of the 25, 30, showed up, and it was great to even get to know them in, in a crisis. The point is, is, it doesn't all look the same. Isn't it great that God didn't make you robots? Not cookie-cutter Christians. He gave you gifts. Some of you have the gift of mercy, and you, you do it differently than the gift of teaching or the gift of administration. You look at Cindy, she administrates everything. Everything is, okay, I got to, you know, well, that's part of her giftedness. And many of yours is too, right? But you have all these gifts, and that's how it all plays out. It's not necessarily using your spiritual, it's, it's using your spiritual gift for the need and bearing one another's burdens. 
And so we work together, but the point is this, we really do care about each other. And by the way, I know you do. I mean, this is why I like this passage, because I know we already are. We are very much about body life. But, you know, I I think, don't you think that God wants to step it up in any person's life and just make us aware more of how needed it is and say, okay. But it's not all about just a handful of doing it. It's all about us doing it, body life, working with others. And maybe it's even this. You'll find a need... You hear about it in the bulletin or something, and you don't even know the person. But if you reach out and get connected, that will be another person that you are closely connected with in the future. See, this is a great way to get to know each other as well. So again, bear one another's burdens, which means have your antennas up. Really be asking, Lord, how can I be used in this body? And that will be a great blessing to Christ, and you will fulfill his law. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for your word, for the admonition. Lord, help us to be, as it were, with our antennas up. Lord, there are people that are struggling around us. We could start naming names, which we won't. People that are really hurting, people that are caught in sin. People that are caught in sin and don't even realize it. People that are just dealing with life and they've dealt with it for so many years, they think that that's the normal Christian life might be a sorrow, might be a hurt, might be a trial. Lord, I pray that you give us sensitivity. And Lord, help us to do more than just look at it and evaluate it and diagnose it. Help us to actually go. Lord, give us your wisdom. Help us to walk by your Spirit so that, again, you're guiding us. Lord, maybe it's just a burden. For some, it's, it's very, very difficult. What they have in this life is very, very hard might be a health issue, might be a health issue of another person. Lord, again, help us to see the need. Help us to know whether the need needs to be met by us. Help us not to feel guilty if 20 people from the church meet it and we're, we're not one of them. But Lord, help us not to be slothful because if you're calling us to do it, help us to go in obedience. So Lord, we ask that this body life concept out of Galatians 6 would really affect each one of us. Lord, I thank you for Alfred Allman. I thank you for the love and care that the elders, the deacons have for each other and for one another. But I also thank you for the body itself. We, we really do function like a body. And yet, Lord, help us to see the, uh, just the weaknesses, the things that we need to improve on. Lord, help us to do this for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen.